everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. And first, a bit of news, and I think that this is good news. Okay. Um, the bit of news is that we will not have a show next week because Trisha will be traveling. But it's good news because I remembered while we were recording. Oh, that's the good news part. I was thinking that you were thinking it was good news because I wouldn't be around and you were going, party! No, no, it was good news that I actually remembered to say something as opposed to just not posting a show. <laughs> so I yes. thought that was pretty good news. Yes, I will be... Uh, <clears throat> I'm looking for small things here. Small wins. Small wins. Good, good job. I, I will be traveling next weekend. I will not be able to co-host our fabulous show but i have to tell you something as you were putting on your headphones today Uh-oh. watching you figure out the ear cups on these headphones is almost as uh, amusing as listening watching moraka think well considering it's not amusing to watch <laughs> moraka think bingo and, and, and <laughs> by the way if you if you have not been to in particular it is a live taping of NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, where Mo Rocca is the panel. Um, try and avoid a night when Mo is going to be there. Because while he sounds hysterical on the radio, what you don't realize it is that he is so incredibly edited. Because really, all that you get for, for that, you know, two seconds that you get of an answer on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the reality is there's probably close to five minutes of stream of consciousness thoughts that just emerge from his mouth unedited unbidden and at some point everyone in the audience is looking at each other going oh god just kill me well yes and no mo rocca has mastered the stream of thought no filter from brain to mouth and it's fabulous in one way to watch it is cringeworthy because you never quite know where he's going with that or when he's going to ever get there Oh, no, there is no getting there. There is no getting there. I will tell you, and I know I have become an utter fangirl, so I get that. I am not going to listen to her show. Do not recommend it. It is terrible. No, I'm not going to recommend that. But I am a fan because Paula Poundstone is also on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Mm -hmm. She is another one of those stream of consciousness kind of people. Oh, yeah. Um, Pretty much taking things off topic at all sorts. But she, I think she, she it's a sport for her. I think it is. I think it is partially a sport. She wrote a book, and in her stand-up, and she was talking about this particular book, and the title of the book is All the Words I Never Meant to Write. Mm. She literally said that all she had to do was start somewhere, and nothing in that book was what she meant to write. <laughs> it was not her plan. There was no plan. And that's kind of the way I, I see her and Mo Rocca in the same ilk. Yeah, I could see that. Anyway, moving off the uh, wait, wait, don't tell me plug. Fernando Alonso is out of a job. No. He is no longer an ambassador for McLaren. Does that make him like an influencer now? I mean, like, I think that's what they were kind of hoping for. You know, I think that's what they shoot for with these ambassador roles is that they want the driver to be an influencer mm-hmm. and you know sometimes when you have a, a, an f1 driver in an influencer role you, or an ambassador role you get somebody like jackie stewart oh yeah for jaguar or you get mark weber for 
Porsche. Or, unfortunately, you get Nico Rosberg from Mercedes. Well, yeah. Nico's not so much fun. Um, I mean, it's really hard to back Fernando as an ambassador for McLaren when, you know... Ambassador, he's... not investor. I said ambassador. Oh, I thought you said investor. I really did say ambassador. Okay. Would you rewind the tape? And... Yeah, I'll get right on that. Ambassador <clears throat> for McLaren when he did go out of his way to badmouth his bosses for a while. Well, he didn't so much necessarily badmouth McLaren as he did Honda. Well, yes, but they got lumped. A key partner. They got lumped together. Yeah. Anyway, so he's out of a job, so he'll be off collecting his unemployment check and living on the dole in Spain, right? Probably. Okay. Probably. Burden on Spanish society. After that fantastic run to 11th. (laughs) In a Dakar rally. You know, Fernando, you're young. You could go find something else that doesn't have four wheels and be amazing at it. He's not going to go race motorcycles. No, he could go do something else. Karting. I think he needs to teach the next generation. I mean, that's honestly what I think he needs to do, but he's not listening to me. Because apparently my job as life coach to Fernando Alonso also got killed in the McLaren deal. Yeah, that funding went away. Oh yeah, that funding went so far away. Hey, also out of a job, officially. Okay, can we stop talking about it now? Because we've now mentioned it the last three shows. Well, it, it, it was confirmed that, that Sean Bratches is officially leaving Formula One Management Group. Did he have to shave his eyebrows off? Probably not. Oh. Now, as much as we have heavily criticized the commercial marketing um, efforts of Mr. Bratches. Yes. One thing that I think, and, and I'm 90% sure that, that he played was a key role in making happen, was the Netflix series Drive to Survive. Okay. And you got to give him credit for that. I, I think it was, it, it, it's reflected very well on the sport so far, at least the one season we've seen. I actually met a person who said that they stumbled across the series on Netflix and started watching Formula One because of this series. Oh, that's excellent. So I do know it had has had some effect in building the fan base for Formula One. And in that case, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Well, well, it has had at least one fan base builder. Okay. And how much do you think eyebrows really had to do with that deal i think he probably did i mean given the nature of what that was it was a combination of the negotiating that had to happen this wasn't just negotiating the deal with netflix and the production company box to box who actually did because netflix doesn't produce these right they just distribute it um but it was not just negotiating with them but also with each of the teams to get them to participate. And again, that first season, we had no Mercedes, we had no Ferrari, but we had, and, and we had folks like McLaren who kind of threw the doors open again. Mm-hmm. Of all people. I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that Ron Dennis is gone because Ron Dennis, I don't think, would have done it. I don't think Ron would have done it either, <clears throat> but I also think that they thought more was going to happen with Stoffel. Well, yeah, that I, and, I and that they was were predicting a little. That bit more. was what the intention behind that original Amazon series was, 
um, was that it was going to focus on Stoffel and Stoffel's entry into Formula One. And instead, there was so much other drama going on mm-hmm. that Stoffel was just a small part of it. Right. Uh, but anyway, the Netflix series, the season two, will become available on Netflix on February 28th. So I know what I'm going to do on my leap day this year. You're going to watch episode one. It's not binge-worthy? It's not binge-able? It probably is. But, you know, we, we tend to space it out. Well, considering I've not finished season one yet. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Oh, then you need to do that. You think? Yeah, you should do that, like, soon. Yeah, you see, what happens is... Okay, I'm going to peel back the onion here, guys, and give you a window into the life that is bloke and the bird behind the scenes. What happens is you introduce me to a show. Mm-hmm. We start watching it together. We might watch two or three episodes. I have to go off and do something else, you know, like dinner. You keep watching. Now I'm behind and you go, oh, well, you'll catch up whenever you want. I never sit down and watch TV without you there. So either I make you rewatch it all. Or you go and you watch something really, really stupid like Love It or List It. Because, oh, just kill me. I hate that show. uh, It was on TV, and I was actually computing during that period of time, not actually, quote, watching Uh TV. But the limited amount of time that I watch a television without you present is so minute that I never catch up, and you just keep going on. Like, you never pause it and say, well, we'll... You know, we'll watch it again the next time we sit down and watch. No. No. You actually... Actually, I believe that what happened, what truly happened, wasn't that you wandered off. It was that you fell asleep and we continued to watch. And in which case, hey, that's not my problem. I probably had to do something very important for the family, like make you dinner. Sleep. Anyway... And now you've got me hamstrung because we're also watching a, a show on Amazon Prime. And I, I started it without you. And you made me circle back to watch it. And now I can't go forward. And I'm betting you're going forward in that show. I have not. Better not. I have not. And by the way, she's talking about the boys. Yes. Don't watch it with kids in the room. Oh, no. It is a very mature show. Or anybody that has a queasy stomach. Yeah, well, there's that too. <laughs> hey, away from our, our, our streaming video habits. Oh, we could do a whole show on know, your streaming video habits. Um, F1, ha- and, and we heard rumbling that something was happening, but F1 has officially launched a, a uh, auction of merchandise and experience packages Uh the whole purpose of it is to raise money uh, to support those affected by the wildfires in Australia. Um, so some of the things that are available, um, you can have an F1 safety car experience. So, so Current bid is 1,575 pounds. Yes. So what this is, is their description. And actually, I love this description. The 21st most famous car on the track. <laughs> now is your chance to help raise funds for the australian bushfire appeal as the fia are offering the chance for one lucky bidder to experience a lap of the melbourne circuit in the fia safety car and the package includes two vip paddock passes wow 
I'm assuming um, that uh, Burn Mylander will be driving you around in the safety car. That would be awesome. One lap. Um, other things. Meet and greet with George Russell and Nicholas Latifi. I don't know how many. I've changed oh, pages. I, I I'm sorry. I thought you had it open. I'm sorry. Uh, that's currently at 650 pounds. Um, but a meet and greet with Lance Stroll and Sergio Perez is 1,475 pounds. Which I think is ridiculous. Well, that's because Lawrence is bidding on it. Well, probably. Which, if, if that's the case, Lawrence, spend more money. Yeah, seriously. Although there's 26 bids for that one. The safety car is 25 bids. Um, lunch with Ross Braun. This one, I figured, would be uh, a lot more bids. But the price is high. 2,525 pounds. As opposed to a meet and greet with Christian Horner for just 825 pounds. You could do a meet and greet for 600 pounds with Claire Williams. Meet and greet with Mattia Bonotto from Ferrari for just 575 pounds. Well, that's because you wouldn't be able to understand a word he says. Yeah, well, there's that. Now, we should point out that all of these experiences are occurring at the Australian Grand Prix. So you need to go to the Australian Grand Prix. It's not, you know, well, next time they're in town, I can just roll over there. Um, Total Wolf is 1,000 pounds for meet and greet. Now, this one shocks me. Um, a meet and greet with Max Verstappen and Alex Albon yeah. is only 600 pounds. Yeah. However, if you would like to have a meeting, meet and greet with Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas, that's 4,025 pounds. That's pretty impressive. What, what also blows me away, and, and I think the reason for it is their, their social media presence and the chemistry you see with them. Um, but the meet and greet with Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz Jr. is at 2,775 pounds. But, okay, if I was going to have a meet and greet with a driver and couldn't afford Lewis. They would be a good bunch to do it with. I'd go hang with those two because you know they're hysterical. Yeah. And that's probably why it's I as mean, much as it is. That's the that's the reality. Is yeah. You got to know that that is going to be what, however long you get to spend with them. You are going to have a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, if I had to rank my experience, you know, if, if money was no object and I was going to the Australian Grand Prix, obviously meeting Lewis would be the top of my list. But mm -hmm. lunch with Ross Braun would be right underneath. Yeah, that, that's one you got to rank pretty high up there. I mean, because you got to figure a lunch is like a whole hour. A meet and greet is going to be like 15 minutes. The hour to pick Ross Braun's brain? The only thing I think would probably be better than lunch with Ross Braun would be a tour of Ross Braun's garage given by Ross. <laughs> that would be pretty awesome too. Now, I mean, you could ask for that at your lunch with Ross Braun. Like true. you have a you'd probably have a solid hour to try to figure out how to become friends with Ross. Yeah. Like how do we become buds? Cell phone numbers, yeah, all yeah. that stuff. We, we'll text. and Yeah. yeah. Um, now, if you can't make it to Australia, if maybe the 275 pounds for Kevin Magnuson's uh, signed balaclava or um, 725 pounds for Daniel Kvyat's signed race-worn race suit is just too much, but you still want to go and contribute and pay... And, and participate um, 
for just 10 pounds, mm-hmm. uh, you can make a donation to the Australian Bushfire Appeal through Formula One. So you can at least participate, even if you won't be going to Australia or the gear is just outside, especially if, if the bidding goes. I mean, there crazy. is still eight days on the bidding. Yeah. And so. Well, some of these have, like Daniel Ricardo's gloves are 29 days. Oh, that'll be a while. So, yeah, it could be a bit. Um, but if you go to F1Authentics.com, you'll be able to find the link to the auction. And at the very least, 10 pounds. Which with the exchange rate in U.S. dollars right now, I think that's uh, pretty decent. Well, it's not $20. It's not $20 anymore. <laughs> I don't even think it's uh, 15 I don't think it's a buck fifty anymore. No, I don't believe it is. All right. Now you're going to make me look it up. Okay. So while you look that up, um, news from Williams. So we, we talked last week about their signing of Roy, not Ralph, but Roy Nassani as their new test driver. Um, we're also, they're, they're talking a little bit about where the, the development is for the 2020 car. Now, as you recall, the 2019 car was delayed, did not make it to the first test session and barely made it to the second test session. Well, we found out part of the reason why. Why? Um, they couldn't pass the car, the mandatory crash testing. Mandatory crash testing they couldn't pass? Um, and, and it wasn't a matter of that, you know, the first time they tried and it failed, so they went back and they tried it again and everything was good. Six rounds and they were still failing parts of the car. Whoa. Yeah. So Claire has said that while they have targeted specific areas for the aerodynamics that they knew were a weakness for improvement, they are confident that they will avoid the repeat of the delays that they had last year, namely because of the fact that they passed the crash test on round one. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) So that's looking good. Um, The other thing that Williams is saying is that despite the fact that they uh, had a fairly significant drop in prize money earnings uh, going into 2020, uh, that their racing budget remains healthy. Now, the other things that they have lost is they've also lost some sponsors. Well, their racing budget uh, remains healthy. Uh, how much of that is due to the fact that they had sold off the technology group? Yeah, that they. Th- that's one of the things that's mentioned is that the proceeds from the sale of uh, advanced engineering is certainly driving some of this. Um, but they lost... PKN Orlin, which is the the Polish oil company that Robert Kubica brought their money in with, um, Unilever, which uh, that's they were responsible for the Rexona branding. Mm. They moved to McLaren. Now I had originally read that what Unilever was doing was that it wasn't a full move. That all that they were doing was they were going to put another brand because Unilever Unilever is a big organization. Huge. Um, that they were going to put another brand on McLaren. But Autosport is now saying that actually this is a full switch. Interesting. So, but William says that, that they're doing good. They've signed some, some fresh sponsorship. Um, Rocket's giving them a ton of money. They extended the, the deal with Rocket. They're saying that they're good for money. That's good to know. I, I don't know how long that's going to last. Well, 
yeah. if they end up last again, I would be concerned. Well, hopefully passing the crash test already is a key to their success in 2020. But the other thing is that with, you know, Ferrari and Red Bull and Mercedes and McLaren all talking that this year their development costs, they're, they're shoveling money into it because of the fact that we got the, these cost caps coming in. Where is that going to leave a team like Williams or Alpha? Well, the hope is that what they're actually funneling these and shoveling money into is not so much development that will help. I mean, it's got to, on its surface, help this year. But yeah. it's really going to be forward thinking. That's going to be the key. Yeah. Um, circling back. Okay. The current exchange rate to the British pound is $1.31. Yeah, oh, okay. So we had always traditionally, because it makes math easy, gone a buck fifty. So you're saving 20 cents on the dollar. Definitely get in there. Yeah, so that makes it only $13 to give 10 pounds to the Australian Relief Fund. And just think of the bargains that you can get there for some race gear used by drivers or unique experiences. If you were going Australia. to Australia already. Yeah. Remember that part. You, you still There's need to get too. yourself there. They, yeah. <laughs> that VIP paddock pass does not include a plane ticket on Qantas. No, unfortunately it does not. And by the way, it's two. Each experience is the winning bidder and the guest. Oh. So. So you and a buddy could go in halfsies. There you go. That's I mean, the way to do it. That's the way to do it. I mean, provided that you and your buddy don't share the same bank account like I know my buddy does. Yeah, well, there's that. <laughs> hey, while we're talking about money. So Otmar Safnauer has been talking about um, the current state of the team and the organization. And, and, and he's pointed out that while they, they're... Thanks to Lawrence, there has been obviously significant investment in the team and a significant increase in resources available to them. He also wants to, to remind everybody that it's not just a matter of having a blank check and being able to do whatever you want. And while, yes, some of the developments that they were trying to roll out and some of the things that they were trying to do, they were certainly hampered by a lack of funds in the past. But that's only part of the issue. And yeah, now they can pay for the stuff, but they're building a new, the, the new building over in, uh, in Silverstone. That takes time. You got to staff up. You've got all of these other things that the money will help facilitate that still need to happen. But it's not just a matter of, well, we have money. We're good now. He likes to point out that, you know, Mercedes had an almost blank check. And it took them five or six years before they won their first race. Yeah. And, you know, for uh, Red Bull was another one. It was like nine years before they started winning championships. And they had an almost unlimited budget. It's not just a matter of you need the dump trucks full of money. There's other pieces that, that have to get honed once you have the money to do it. Okay. It's very simple. You need the dump trucks full of money to buy the talent to yeah. then design the car and be able to live in the house that Jack built. I mean, that's, that's well, the... Well, in this case, it's the house that Lawrence built. Think, okay. Poor Lance. 
Yes, but that was a throwback to a children's story. Oh, I know what you were saying. But it's it's all of those pieces in order to get to the house and get to the championship. It starts with the dump trucks full of money, and you've got to have it sustained for long enough to attract and keep and retain top talent that will then build the car that then will attract top driver talent, not Lance, um, and well, that will put see, you in the right position. See, this is what's actually going to happen, is that... You know, the rumors are still flying that Lawrence is about to buy Aston Martin or Lawrence is going to buy Aston Martin. So that's what's going to happen is that Lawrence will buy Aston Martin and at some point he will talk Lance out of the Formula One team to go run Aston Martin and destroy that company. (sighs) No? No, don't don't hurt my Aston. (laughs) Don't. So also while we're talking about Racing Point, um, the team will be launching their 2020 race program on February 17th at the headquarters of BWT in the Austrian town of Manzi. Okay. So one more team's launch date announced. The other one, Alfa Romeo, theirs is going to be spectacular. They're going to start testing and go, here's our cargo drive. Well, as... Alfa Romeo should. I mean, they're on the back end of the grid. Um, no, Williams is on the back end of the grid. <laughs> okay, it's still just a Sauber. There you go. Well, no, it's an Alfa Romeo. Still just a Sauber. Alfarb. <laughs> hey, over at Toro Rosso. Well, actually, no. it's not even Toro Rosso anymore. It's, it's Alfa, Alfa Tori. <laughs> yeah. And that's not going to get confusing with Alfa Romeo and Alfa Tori at all, is it? I know. But the teams thought that this was a good idea because they didn't have to allow it. But they did. Yeah, there's some backroom deal. Allow our stupid name and we'll agree to something else that we wouldn't agree to. Yeah. So Helmut Marco, uh, he was talking to Autosport and he said that um, the, top, the, the possibility of... Folks like Sebastian Wemmy, who um, has won Formula E, mm-hmm. and John Eric Verne, who has won Formula E, mm-hmm. and both drove for Toro Rosso and were cut from Toro Rosso. Um, Helmut Marco says that uh, there is zero chance of them returning to the Red Bull organization to drive in Formula One. Because the topic they is closed. We, because we, they don't bring back talent ever, unless your name is Daniel Kvyat or Alex Albon or Brendan Hartley, or yeah. but they never bring back talent once they release them. They just don't bring it back. They don't go back to that well. They've, they've moved on. They've parted ways. They separated the bank accounts. It's it's over, unless you're unless they're really desperate. So Helmet says the topic is closed. They have made careers in other directions and other motorsports categories. Now, if a Jean-Eric Verne wins Formula E, it's something completely different from the requirements that we have in Formula One. Because there, he would be more or less a complete newcomer. It would take him a whole season to get used to the specialties of a Pirelli tire. So for that reason alone, it's all in the past. But when you look around, a lot of our juniors are successful. They earn good money and have turned their hobby into a profession. That is great. 
great. Yeah. They're hobbyists. So, Jean-Eric Verne will not be coming back to Formula One because he doesn't know anything about Pirelli tires. Oh, yeah. Nothing about Pirelli tires. That's what Helmet says. <sighs> yeah. Hey, Zanvoort. Yes. You, you're, hopefully you're not tired of hearing about Zanvoort yet. Uh, uh, well. If it's a good race, you're not going to be tired of hearing about Zanvoort. I know, but... I would we don't know. It, we don't know. Well, you know what? The teams don't know a whole lot about Zanvoort either. Because it's a mystery. Wrapped it, up in an enigma. It is, because very deliberately, apparently... So Zanvoort and their track architect has run a lot of sim simulations of the track in this new configuration... Uh, they've collected a lot of data about how the track will perform and behave and react in all kinds of various weather conditions so that they understand it. And they're not giving the data to the teams. Aren't they supposed to? Which is unusual. Wouldn't you expect them to? They have to give some level of data. Like the address? Yeah. <laughs> Give them the address. You got to give them the size of the paddock that they're gonna have. Um, you know, think things like that. They, they, they've got and parking. They, yeah, the, how many parking passes they're gonna get? <laughs> that's important too. Where, you know, how much room that they'll have for the motorhome? Mm. That's important too. You got you got to figure that out. Um, no, there is some degree of data that they have to provide because remember, and, and I think that they've already made the selection for it is. The teams have to select the tires they're going to run for the weekend and what mix they want and how many. So they have to provide some level of data to the team so that they can make that decision. Actually, I think that that decision was probably made for the teams like before Christmas um, for the, their tire selection. So they get some data, but the detailed stuff that they need to truly build out the simulator programs and to start figuring out the basics around um aerodynamic settings and suspension settings and all of that stuff um the the architect and the folks who run zanvort are not sharing that data they're doing it deliberately why now this is only going to work once but the idea is by not going in and feeding the teams this data in advance means that the teams have to use free practice one and free practice two to figure out how to set up the cars. And there's the possibility that since that's the only time that the teams have to collect data, that they may not even be able to fully figure out what the optimal setup is for the track. That's the hope. Because the element of surprise works <clears throat> so well in Formula One. It does. Mm. Germany last year rain but it was the fact that the, the conditions were changing to such a point that the teams couldn't predict it and couldn't figure it out and it kept them on their edge and it threw the strategies and around no it kept Mercedes on their edge because they didn't do the maths right it wasn't just Mercedes it really was they were the Keystone cops of that one they were they I mean in terms of when you got it wrong, you got it really, 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 really wrong. That was Mercedes. But, again, Lance Stroll almost won that damn race. What would you have said? I mean, you could no longer make him the butt of every joke. Pastor Maldonado. Okay, but 
Pastor Maldonado is no longer but in he, Formula but One. But he won a race, and he was still the butt of every joke. So why should that be any different? Okay. Yeah, that's a good point, huh? But he was the butt of every joke well after he won the race. Now, mind you, has in his... pastorcrashtoday.com. Yes. Let's remember that. Well, <laughs> how many days since last pastor? I wonder if that's still out there. You know, it might be. I don't know. I have to go look. Um, let, let's go check that out. You don't have it bookmarked? No, I don't. Has Pastor Maldonado crashed it? It still shows up in the search box for uh, for Google. And sure enough, uh, before you can continue to has Pastor has Maldonado crashed today, I will be redirected to the Chrome store and given the option to install the private browsing extension. This sounds sketchy. That's a wee bit We're sketchy. We're going to close that before <laughs> it infects my computer. <laughs> okay, so do not go to has Maldonado crashed today. Yeah. Dot com. Uh, yeah, that that's probably dead now. Um. Anyway, other just news. like his career. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> okay, so in other news, possibly preparing to crash and burn hmm. would be the Miami Grand Prix. Ooh, oh. burn! <laughs> <laughs> the 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 Grand Prix that will never be a Grand Prix. Yeah, it won't even be a Prix. It, forget being Grand. It will barely be a Prix. So the. The organizers, or the folks who are trying to get this off the ground, um, have decided that they are no longer going to try to uh, get the race, part of the race, to be run on public roads on 199th Street. Okay. Um, that was they, a big bone of contention. Yeah. They have, they have redesigned it so that the entire race course remains within the bounds of the Pro Robbie Hard Rock Stadium property so it's entirely in a parking lot yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah pretty much sorry so when we mean on the property we mean in a parking lot yeah okay hey they also committed and this was done in direct response to complaints about potential noise and air pollution associated with the event impacting local school children. They promised that there would be no racing during school hours. Okay, so how many Formula One races? Well, no, I better ask this the better question. How many school children are going to school on Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock? Well, there's that. There's also the fact that let's not remember. Let's not remember. Or, or let's not forget. For <laughs> for those of you who are familiar with the location of the stadium property in Miami Gardens and the fact that, yes, to the south, it is bounded by 199th Street. To the east, it is bounded by a spur of the Florida Turnpike. To the north, it is bounded by a spur of the Florida Turnpike. <laughs> How much more noise and pollution is going to be generated from this race as opposed to the two spurs of the Florida Turnpike? And the reminder of the fact that it's Miami Gardens. But Formula One cars are loud. Yeah. 
they make noise. And those school children that go to school on Sunday afternoons, they shouldn't be impacted by the racing. Yeah. World-class racing in a parking lot. (laughs) No, Miami, this is not a good idea. No, it's... We want a race in the U.S. We don't mind a race in Florida, but not here. There's got to be better places in the United States. They They couldn't come up with something at Homestead. Did they even consider Homestead? Not in anything that we've seen. They wanted to go downtown, so they tried that. That fell apart. Then they proposed over at Hard Rock. Now, admittedly, I don't fully know where Homestead Miami Speedway is, and I know it's an oval, but it's hosted NASCAR for a while. They're not going to race a full oval. I'm almost positive there's a road course in the infield. Would it not have made better sense to look at Homestead? Or better yet, if you don't want to go to Homestead Miami Speedway, there is what used to be Homestead Air Force Base, which I think is pretty much desolate and barren and and been abandoned. And you've got former runways that you could have worked with. Oh, and so how is former runways any different than a parking lot? Um... Look at the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. Yeah, that, that goes runs through. on actual runway. Yeah, and they run down roads in St. Petersburg. But that's the thing is this is a former Air Force base, which, by the way, so is Silverstone. Okay. And, and if you look at overhead of Silverstone, you can see the outline of the runways. But as a former Air Force base... You take the area that was the airstrips and all of that, and you build that into your road course with some of your straights being former runways. All I'm saying is if that was the case, then I would actually have more credentials to drive an F1 car because I have driven on former runways. Yeah, you have, but you did it really slow. Okay, I was learning how to drive, but... (laughs) I learned how to drive and park on old runways. You know, that's one of the things about Florida, though, in general, is that there's a lot of former airfields down there. What do you think they needed? They dumped a lot of stuff out of things jumped off out of Florida. You know, besides the fact that you got Homestead Air Force Base and you've got, as you were talking about, and, you know, that's another area they could possibly go. They could go to Opalaka. Granted, that is an active airport, and they'd have to tell the Coast Guard that they'd need to move for a couple of days. But they could go to Opalaka. That's a sleepy little airport. But here's the problem. The Grand Prix of Opalaka does not have... It's going to be the Grand Prix of Miami anyway. That's nowhere near Miami. It's my. It's still Miami Dade County. It and actually, Opalaka is closer to downtown Miami than Miami Gardens and the Hard Rock Stadium complex. Okay, well, there's that. There you go. Well, why don't you call your buddy 
chase Carrie up and give him some suggestions. Like, don't go to Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm not entirely sure that that's what Chase is looking for. Probably not. Hey, um, so our last story. And I didn't even know that this was in production. But apparently, um, there is an upcoming documentary on former FIA president Max Mosley. Oh, uh, it Bernie will be compatriot. Very much a Bernie compatriot. Um, it will be premiering at the Manchester Film Festival on March 8th. Now, Max's big downfall um, was while he was president of the FIA. Um, there was, and, and I think he, he filed a lawsuit at against and I think he won but one of the British tabloids published a story claiming that he had links to Nazis oh lovely and white supremacists and again he filed a lawsuit against the paper for these claims and I think he won that lawsuit Mm. but that was his downfall and he didn't serve as president of the FIA anymore he walked off of that and Jean Todd took over but some of the other things about, because I didn't know a whole lot about Max, because we weren't really following Formula One when that whole thing went down. So Max was, besides being a former um, uh, president of the FIA, he was one of the founders and co-owners of March Engineering. Okay. Um, March, I believe, was the team that ultimately... Um, Oh, why did I just lose the name? Lord March. Oh, no, I'm thinking Hesketh. You're thinking the teddy bear team. Yes. No. No, March was different. Sorry. Okay, back to that. Anyway. um, You're going to edit that out, right? I might. (laughs) Otherwise, I'll just leave my stupid in there. You know, works for everybody else. Remember how we talked about at the top of the show, watching Mo Rock, I think? Yeah, (laughs) Okay, so <laughs> some of the other things, like I mentioned, founder co-owner of, of March Engineering, he's also a lawyer, and he was a racing driver as well. Um, again, worked really close w- with Bernie Eccleston um, when the Formula One Constructors Association existed, um, but when he went and, and shifted over and, and took over president of the FIA, um, one of the things that he was responsible for was the adoption of the Euro NCAP standards. So what this is, is this was the European New Car Assessment Program. This is that safety star rating, you see? Hmm. So, and and he modeled, the the U.S. has their own version of this New Car Assessment Program. He modeled the European program on the U.S. version. The U.S. one was already there. But it was the FIA that was one of the big drivers in Euro NCAP. Interesting. And that was, Max Mosley was one of the driving forces in making that happen. Wow. I had no idea. I always thought of him as being an evil genius because he was in the Bernie compatriot group. It Kind of, sort of. I mean, from what we understand, Max also was making deals with Bernie that was, you know, probably not having the good distance between the governing body and the promoting body that should be there. Yeah. So, 
documentary coming out on Max Mosley um, on March 8th. It is, I believe, well, actually, oh, it's called Mosley. Sorry, the, the article, the headline I saw, they said that, that the, quote, warts and all Max Mosley documentary. And I'm like, that seems like an odd name. Well, it's not. It's called Mosley. Got it. And we will look out for that. Yeah, it'll be on uh, premiering at the Manchester Film Festival. Um, that doesn't mean that that's all. I mean, like the Williams documentary, it took a bit for it to filter around. But And if you haven't seen it yet, it's on Amazon, it's on Netflix, go watch it. It's very good. Yeah. It's very good. Um, and then you'll want to go to Australia and spend 600 pounds to go have a meet and greet with Claire because you'd probably like to pick her brain a little bit. Much better than, than as much as I like George Russell, probably much better than going and hanging with George Russell and Nick Latifi. Well, you don't want to hang with George Russell because you will call him a Ken doll to his I face. I might. I would try not to. And you'd like you'd look at him and, and he go, seems like a nice guy. Wow, you really do look like a Ken doll. I know. And he, he seems like a really nice, personable guy. Yeah, I don't think he looks like a Ken doll. Okay. You say that to his face, your buddy's gonna ask him if you know he's anatomically yeah, correct. <laughs> and on that note, yeah, we'll call it a show. We are so glad you came. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye now. Bye. Bye bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye bye now. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Are they all gone? Uh, is, is there? Is everybody gone? <laughs> huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. A little break? Okay.